0: Useful Idiots. I'm one of your hosts, Katie Helper.
1: And I'm Aaron Matic, the other host.
0: The other host. How are you doing, Erin?
1: I'm well, Katie. How are you? Any, any summertime stories in this you know, fun summer?
0: It's funny you ask how I am, and it's funny you ask that you're well, because I am okay, but I came close to not being okay. Oh, no. My parents have a place upstate, and there is a river, and I being the city hick that I am, really don't go in it. And, uh, I was with a friend who's one of those people who likes to take walks and go on the river. And so she wanted to go on the river a little bit. And we were at my friend's who lives right on the river. And my friend has a little like raft plan to go down the river a little bit and then turn around. But I don't know how to, I mean, I know how to row. I know what that is, but we tried to go against the current a little bit and then we were just going to float down, but we couldn't. So we just started floating down and then we were like, okay, we've gone a bit and we were not wearing life jackets, which honestly, for real was a very stupid thing, but I didn't think that we'd be going very far. I thought we were just going to turn around. And so we were going to try to walk back, which was going to be very uncomfortable because it was very rocky, but it would have been doable. It would have taken a while. But my friend, Miss, Miss nature lover, she was wearing shoes and she lost a shoe. So then we're like, okay, we're not going to be able to walk back. All right. So now what do we do? I'm like, we're going to have to get help. We're going to have to go in someone else's boat. They're going to have to take us to land. And then I feel some water coming in. The boat has a hole in it because it's so rocky.
1: Mm. So
0: we asked these people who are sitting on the shore, the river shore. We asked them if we can borrow one of their phones but they don't have a phone and we keep telling them the story. And I think they realized it was kind of a, we were on plan D around then and we needed help. So the guy just drove us. So we were taken back, survived. He was not a serial killer. Greg, if you're watching, I want to thank you. And you can expect a package. I should have asked him what he drank. And then that was it.
1: Well, thanks to Greg. My takeaway from the story is whether it's in the river or in life, don't go against the current.
0: Wow. So wow. you know, whatever,
1: whatever politicians, the media is telling you to do, that's the current, stay with it.
0: Stay with the current, wow. I mean, you just basically disavowed your entire career.
1: I just did, yeah, based on that yeah. story, yeah.
0: So now so. are you gonna finally embrace Russiagate? Yeah,
1: I am. This, All right. henceforth, I will be a Russiagate man.
0: This is, I'm so glad I shared the story because it wasn't very humorous, but oh. I realized that the, uh, the payoff was big.
1: I don't wanna have to rely on a ride in Greg's uh, truck. Yeah, lesson learned. Don't go against the current.
0: And if you're going to, if you're gonna be brave enough to go against the current, wear a life jacket, Mm. really wear a life jacket.
1: Mm. Well, that's a great summer adventure story. Yeah, it glad you're okay.
0: Never again, yeah, I am okay. So should we go, uh, should we do the four basic food groups? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So for the Democrats suck, I have uh, an appearance by Biden. People know, of course, that there is a yet another mass shooting, uh, very tragic. It was uh, at a Highland Park parade in Illinois. Uh, It killed, now we're up to seven people, injured 24. And Joe Biden, President Biden, uh, hosted a barbecue with military families. And this is what he had to say about said shooting. Y'all heard what happened today. But each day, we're reminded there's nothing guaranteed about our democracy,
1: nothing guaranteed about our way of life. We have to fight for it, defend it, and earn it by voting to refine,
0: evolve, and extend the calling of America to move forward boldly and unafraid. Aaron, you have to earn the right to not be shot.
1: God, life is hard enough. You know, you have to earn a living. You have to be there for your friends and family to be a good human. But not only that, you have to also earn the right to not be shot and killed in a parade. Damn.
0: Yeah. To be fair, we often do push back when, when after a mass shooting and people talk about gun law reform, that is appropriate because gun law reform will shape future shootings, hopefully prevent future shootings. And Republicans and gun rights people are often like, oh, don't don't politicize this. And it's not politicizing it. It's actually or it is politicizing it, but in a in a good way, and it's already politicized. So you're just politicizing in a way that saves lives. But this isn't that this is just go out and vote. So this doesn't happen. It's just a craven a craven response, and it basically is the Democrats' response to everything, as we saw with Roe v. Wade. Vote. Vote for us. Vote harder so we can continue to not deliver.
1: And what bothers me about this argument is there's no accountability or acknowledgement of all the other issues that Democrats have put their their political capital into instead of the issue of gun control. So yes, it's true that the odds are higher that If the Democrats had more seats, there could possibly be more movement on gun control. That is true. But there's no acknowledgement when they make that argument that they have failed with the time and energy that they've had to try to do something. Uh, And instead, they focus on other issues. And they even when they had a supermajority under Obama, there also was a lack of movement there. And there's never any accountability for that. So it's like, at least if they're trying to make this argument, they should at least account for the time they've wasted not doing anything right. and focusing on other stuff. Right. For example, the proxy war in Ukraine. Yes. But they're never going to do that.
0: Yeah. Like, they're blaming voters. Yeah. It is also, incre- like, I don't know if there's a single catastrophic event that they wouldn't say the res- the the response to should be voting.
1: Well, Katie, did you see the response of that one, Huffington Post writer to a victim of the Highland Park shooting? No. All right, I gotta show you this. So here is a victim of the Highland Park shooting or a witness who's been bloodied, who's saying, I can't effing believe I was in the middle of a mass shooting. I felt safe at this parade for 18 years and today I got hit with a bullet and nothing will change in America. This is ridiculous. And so a Democrat, a journalist, the huffington post responds i'm sorry this happened to you and everyone else there it's awful and these shootings just keep coming at us please register to vote if you haven't already tell your friends too. your generation is our last hope so even the people even the victims and witnesses of mass shootings have to earn the right not to be shot and bloodied too
0: yeah that's incredible And that woman's face and neck, for people just listening to it, is basically covered in blood. Yeah. So that's a Democrat suck.
1: That's a a good Democrat suck. All right. So for Republicans suck, while Democrats are using the shootings to basically shame people into voting for them, Republicans are looking for anything to blame except for the mass availability of guns. So this is Fox News host Laura Ingram.
0: We're pushing for answers and accountability. These are the eyes of some of the mass killers who've reportedly been regular pot users. Look at them. Those in politics and in the media who devote their time and energy to fear-mongering on fake issues while covering up the truth about the growing scourge of violent psychosis in our young people. They have to be called out. They have to be defeated. And then the public has to be educated. And parents... This means you need to get into the game. This means you understanding that this can happen to you, to your family, no matter how wealthy you are, how well-adjusted you are, how mature and together your children seem. It's time to call out the phonies and call in the warriors for common sense. And that's the angle. Wow. (laughs) I didn't even know. But it all makes so much sense now.
1: Yeah, it's not the fault of the easy availability of assault rifles that 18-year-olds can walk in and buy. It's the availability of pot that some of these mass killers have apparently smoked. That's the real problem, Katie. It's pot, not assault rifles.
0: Notoriously violent, ca- violence-causing drug.
1: Yeah. So it's like, that's what's so funny. These people are, they're always talking about our first, Amendment, you know, our second amendment rights, our freedom. So we have the freedom to purchase assault rifles, but they want to take away the freedom, I guess, to buy pot.
0: Which is natural, yeah. Like guns. Yeah. That is so ridiculous. It's not even close to, I mean, there are some drugs that obviously do make people more, you know, inclined to, not everyone, but, you know, some drugs make you more irritable, hyper. Pot you know, and look, does not.
1: Yeah, look, I'm open to the argument that pot is not good for a developing brain, child's brain, I, you know, especially a troubled child. I think you can make a convincing case of that. But to then see a mass shooting and identify pot as the issue and not the weapon that was used to kill all these innocent civilians, that is mind blowing. I mean, I I need to smoke some pot just to comprehend that. It's so mind blowing.
0: Just to process that, just to (laughs) relax, yeah shifting gears let's go to uh isn't that weird now this isn't isn't that weird but it could also be more uh life tips more uh life hacks this is a a little story and video about uh, a caveman workout that your father and son are doing they're lifting rocks together uh I'm reading at the New York Post which is as usual uh has really brought its pun game uh, this dad totally rocks. Powerlifter Laird Ross, 31, works out side-by-side side with his six-year-old son, Kion, using natural stones and boulders. The super fit dad in Melbourne, Australia, set up the backyard weight room when gyms closed during COVID lockdown. First, they do a fist bump. Now, the dad lifts a huge rock. The boy lifts a little rock and they're doing squats. Then he puts a little boy on his back and does the squats. Then he throws the huge weight over something. <laughs> then the boy throws a little weight over something. He's just holding it up now. All right, so what do you think of that workout, Aaron? Would you do that workout?
1: I think it's creative.
0: It is creative.
1: I think it's participatory. The whole family's involved. Uh, yeah.
0: Intergenerational. Yeah. I mean, is it cultural appropriation though? How so? Of cavemen.
1: Yeah, but yes, it is, I guess, but it's, I mean, isn't at this point, is it fair to appropriate from from cave men, from cave people? I don't think people if the cave, cave people were allowed around today, would they object?
0: I don't know, but we can't really speak for them. We
1: can't, no, it's true. That's All right, so you're a saying problem. out of the uh, excess of caution to be sen- culturally sensitive, you're saying we shouldn't engage in.
0: Yeah, so I just realized I didn't plan this, but this is almost like an, isn't that terrible? Mm. Mm. more than isn't that weird so then but by that
1: standard is jurassic park cultural appropriation because the dinosaurs aren't around anymore to speak for themselves yeah Mm.
0: to roar for themselves yeah all right
1: well we just canceled a lot of a lot of genres right now a
0: lot of genres yeah yeah. we brought you film criticism yeah sociology critique wow this is really is the one-stop shop for everything
1: (laughs) all right so for isn't that terrible we have a really spooky story coming out of a Colorado funeral home. Colorado funeral home owner admits to selling body parts for cash. A former Colorado funeral home owner pleaded guilty to secretly dissecting corpses and selling body parts without consent from mourning relatives. Megan Hess, who operated the Sunset Mesa Funeral Home in Montrose, and a human body parts business called Donor Services from the same building admitted in federal court to defrauding at least a dozen families who had paid to have their late loved ones cremated. Instead of cremating the bodies, she harvested heads, spines, arms, and legs, and then sold them according to court records. Prosecutors are calling for Hess to be sentenced to 12 to 15 years in prison. Her defense attorney has requested a lighter sentence of two years. In 2009, Hess and her mother launched a nonprofit donor services organization called Sunset Mesa Funeral Foundation, or MESA, a body broker service operating out of the funeral home, doing business that would sell body parts to third parties, mostly for surgical training and other educational purposes. The pair charged customers $1,000 or more for cremations that never occurred to maximize profits has targeted poor and vulnerable families struggling as they made arrangements in their relatives' final days, according to court documents. She also offered free cremations in exchange for a body donation. Many families received ashes mixed with the remains of different cadavers, prosecutors said. One client received a concrete mix instead of the remains of their loved one. That is terrible.
0: That is terrible. Yeah. Concrete mix is pretty stupid. That's going to be a lot heavier than ashes.
1: Mm, that's a good point.
0: She's not even good at this.
1: Yeah. I wonder how they brought her down. Like how did they, yeah. did one family complain and was there, did someone go undercover? I mean, this is just a crazy story
0: and who is she selling them to?
1: Well, she's selling them to laboratories and other places that use body parts for research.
0: They have a quote, this is scary, this is a quote that she wrote to a prospective body parts buyer in 2014. Meeting with hospice on the 4th, opening the floodgates of donors. They have four or five deaths a day, get ready. How about a deal on full embalmed spines, $950? Now, I'm a little conflicted about this because as people who watch the show know, I have some interesting philosophical thoughts about necrophilia. Uh, the morality of it, which basically involves, the only reason I think it's bad is because it's for the relatives of those people or people who believe in afterlife and stuff, but part of me is like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's good to, the, the bad part is if it's coercive and she's, she has, and that people are struggling and then she takes advantage of that to buy them. But I do think that human bodies should be used for science.
1: Louis CK has a funny joke about this where he says that he would volunteer his body to be used by people who like are into like necrophilia he wouldn't mind because he says someone has to do it you know yeah uh, right so he'd be willing to do it for him for himself after he passes for others for others yeah. yeah but anyway yeah terrible and glad this person got caught
0: yeah but I would go for two years
1: two years yeah that's fair
0: instead of uh 12 to 15 yeah I wonder how she plead, pleaded not guilty last time. She also, I want to just give her a shout out. She really rocks a great early nineties hairdo and makeup.
1: Which actually probably made me feel more sympathy for her than I think she deserves.
0: Right. Cause yeah. I do love
1: that hairstyle. It's great. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that isn't, isn't that terrible? So we like to give you a stone moment when we can, and we have a stone moment for you from none other than Kamala Harris. And this is her addressing the shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. Sorry. We got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. The whole nation should understand and have a level of empathy to understand that this can happen anywhere in any peace-loving community, and we should stand together and speak out about why it has to stop. Thank you. Madam Vice President, uh, thank, you. thank you. We got to take this seriously because we've been forced to take this seriously.
1: Because you're taking this seriously, yeah, Kamala. You know, it's look. All politicians are phony and embarrassing, but she. Just, what what is it about Kamala? Why is it so easy to make fun of her? It's kind of not fair. I feel. I
0: know it isn't. It's it's punching down, even though she is the <laughs> yeah. vice president. Well, luckily she's yeah. the vice president, so it's not punching down. It would be punching down if she weren't one of the most powerful people in the world. Yeah, so yeah. thank God for that.
1: Yeah, I mean the problem is it is a tough job, so. Her job constantly entails having to deliver sound bites without meaningfully announcing anything because they kind of give all that to Biden when the administration right. is doing something. It's Biden who gets that because they need to prop him up because he's, you know, he's got his issues. So she's in this tough position where she has to constantly try to make statements without saying anything, also because the Biden administration doesn't really do anything. So that's just a, right. a tough job.
0: And he tough gaps job. it up.
1: But makes for great stone moments.
0: We are so excited to be talking to Richard Wolf. Richard Wolf is the host of Economic Update, professor of economics emeritus at UMass Amherst, visiting professor at the New School, founder of Democracy at Work, and the author of several books, including Democracy at Work, Understanding Marxism and Capitalism Hits the Fan the global economic meltdown and what to do about it. He's been called America's most prominent Marxist economist by the New York Times and you can find him on Twitter at prof wolf.
1: All right, let's go to Richard Wolf.
0: So we are so excited to have with us Richard Wolf and there's so much we could talk about with you, but let's start off with what a lot of people are talking about which is inflation. What is causing this inflation and what are the major myths about inflation that need to be debunked?
2: Okay, I'm glad you asked because I find myself these days uh, being asked that question just literally everywhere I go formal, informal, big, small. It's on everyone's mind. You're absolutely right. And I'm sad to say that the uh, economic literacy of the United States does not make a good accounting of itself when confronted with experiences like this, like an inflation. This is not new. Inflations have bedeviled capitalism throughout its history for the last several centuries and before that in other systems. So it is in no way a new or exceptional kind of situation. Uh, So let's begin and and go through it quickly. Uh, But to get to the basics first, because those are the things you don't wanna lose sight of. First of all, an inflation simply means a general increase in prices. It doesn't mean all prices go up. It doesn't mean all prices go up equivalently. It just means there's a general increase. Some things go up a lot, some things go up a little, some things stay the same, and a few things may actually get cheaper. But in general, it's a rise. And the government keeps track of that in every society because it happens so often and because it is so dangerous and harmful, which is why we have records. And I can tell you, for example, that the inflation in the United States is currently in the neighborhood of eight and a half percent of the inflation today in France is 5.8 uh, percent, barely over half of that the inflation in Britain is nine plus percent more than ours. And I could go on. Uh, By the way, just a footnote here. The inflation rate in China and Japan, a communist country with a communist party and a capitalist country uh, are between one and two percent. So when you hear politicians tell you uh, about, well, it's not our problem, everybody, that's not true. That's an attempt to make it less critical about them Uh, as if the whole world were suffering uh, on the same scale. It, It isn't true. It has almost never been true. It isn't true now. Anyway, here we go now back. The basic economics. Who determines the prices? If an inflation, it means prices are going up. The first question is, who does that? And here is a very important economic reality. The centers of prices in our society are private employers. That's who has the legal and the traditional authority. All of you and I who have been employees most of our lives, we know that we don't participate in meetings to set the prices of whatever it is we help to produce. That's not our job, that's not our responsibility, that is reserved to the employer. The determination of the prices for example, of General Motors cars is not in the hands of the 200,000 people who work for that company. It's in the hands of the board of directors, 20 people, and they probably have a subcommittee that handles it. That's who does that. Okay, now let's go to the next step. Who are the employers? 1% of our population is employers. 99% isn't which means whatever else an in inflation is, it is a reality imposed by 1% on the other 99. You and I have to pay what it costs for milk or eggs or butter in the, in the grocery store, or for the gas we put in our car. We don't determine the prices, we just have to pay them. Next question, why would employers raise their prices? because only if and when they do, do we have an inflation. Now, the answer to that question is the same as the answer to every other question you put to employers. Uh, Why do you buy trucks? Why do you relocate your factory in China? Why do you uh, buy that new machine? Whatever they do, their answer, and this is what they're taught in business school, because I kind of know since I've taught there, you're taught it's profitable. In other words, you do it if it enhances your profit. If it doesn't enhance your profit, you're better off, you're advised not to do it. So the answer to why are you raising prices? The only honest answer is because it is profitable for me to do so. I wouldn't be doing it if it weren't. So the idea that I'm going have nothing to do with profits, I'm only doing it, and here we go, because remember, an employer is in a tough spot. If he or she raises the price, then they face the anger, the bitterness, the resistance of the buyer. Because we, the buyers, don't want to pay 50% more for a loaf of bread than we did last year or the year before. So it behooves the employers to come up with scapegoats someone else to blame and here we have a ready arsenal which you don't need me to go over because you hear it every day but i will very briefly first one the evil federal reserve they pumped money into the economy there's too much money and it's driving up the prices how convenient We shift the attention from the people who actually raise the prices to another government agency, which we can then all dump on feeling, I don't know, empowered by saying nasties uh, about a government agency. Here's the second one. And now we get into the realm of mystery. This one is called supply chain disruptions. This is rich. I mean, for this, you need an abundant sense of humor, Katie, therefore, this is right up your alley. You should have fun with this. I try to. What is a supply chain disruption? Well, it's what it says it is. It means that if you're a company making something, some input that you need, you know, if you're a chair-making company, you need lumber and a hammer and nails and glue and stuff like that to make chairs. So you need to have a supply coming to your chair factory. You don't care whether it comes five miles away or 50 miles away or 5,000 miles away. You have people in your business, they have a name by the way, they're called purchasing agents or purchasing managers or purchasing department whose job it has been from time immemorial to manage the supply chains. And here's what these geniuses are asked to do. If you have one supplier, get a second one in case the first one punks out on you. If you can't get it except through this passage, remember it snows over here from time to time, you might want to have another railway mechanism or a, a trucking mechanism. If you get it from one country, have a plan B to get it from another. Come this is I mean, you don't have to tell this to a purchasing manager. They're supposed to know that we're somewhere between the fourth and fifth grade to get this idea into their heads. So suddenly to say to me, we have an inflation, you know why? Oh, the supply chain got interrupted. At this point, uh, I have to restrain myself. So I don't say things that I can't repeat on the air. I try to be polite. And I explain, as I am trying to do with you now, that this is nonsense, you're supposed to be ready for this. In fact, many of them have been. If it's actually true that we now have supply chain disruptions on a massively enhanced scale, well then that's not a problem of supply chain interruption, that's a problem of a system that breaks down. And let me remind all of us Back in the good old or bad old, depending on your point of view uh, of the Soviet Union, back in the USSR, we here in America, where I grew up, we would constantly see pictures of shortages in Russia, people standing on line to get the milk or eggs or whatever. And we were told, see, socialism doesn't work. They have a lot of shortages. And now I live in a country which has shortages everywhere But the one common element of the media is never to talk as though the problem were capitalism. Oh, no. It's the Federal Reserve. It's the supply chain disruptions. It's COVID. It's the war in Ukraine. It's the evil Chinese. I mean, the collection of possible scapegoats here is spectacular. I missed Donald Trump because he's a richer source of scapegoats than Mr. Biden seems able to be, but that's all that's going on here. Here's the true simple reality. In 2020 and 2021, this country was unprepared for a virus which it could have and should have been prepared for, thereby losing us a million people dead and millions more hurt, as everybody knows. We were likewise unprepared and unable to cope with an economic crash, second only to the 1930s in its severity. And here's the worst part. We had them at the same time, in the same two-year period, the worst public health disaster in the country's history, and the second worst economic crash at the same time. That's a lot for any society to go through. It's been terrible. For the United States, we're just at the beginning of all of the psychological and emotional implications, the loneliness we felt, the isolation in our little apartments, the fear uh, being expressed in the killings and shootings across the country. And uh, I mean, you know all this very well, but I want to drive home to to have that experience and then follow it up now. Why whacking our population in the face with an inflation. And now we are talking about a recession. I, if you read the financial press, as I do every day, we are discussing only now, not whether we have an, a recession, that w- that's settled. The issue is, will we have it this year or will it wait until next year? COVID, crash, inflation, recession, I mean, you, you don't have to go, we, we read the Bible with the pl- seven plagues to get a, 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 an equivalent. And by the way, when you do this to societies, especially crunched into a short period of time, you tear them apart. They break down. We are living through that. And we want to understand that it's not just this or that. It's not the weird uh, Supreme Court decision. It's not the bizarre splitting of this country into red states and blue states. It's not the killing spree that distinguishes us literally from every country on earth. This is, a you know, we are not strange people. We're human beings like everybody else. So there has to be something going on to produce this. The inflation is a wonderful condensed, expression of an economic system that's busted. You cannot continue to have 1% of the people make the key economic decisions that the rest of us have to live with. If those decisions keep us with a rising standard of living, okay, maybe a lot of us, maybe most of us, will look the other way. Pretend we don't see the injustice, the inequality, the lack of democracy. But we now live in a society in which capitalism is going down, and the 1%, they're taking care of themselves, and they're offloading the cost of the decline of this system onto the rest of us. That's what's happening, and we are not going to be nice to one another as that continues if we let it.
0: So what could be done? How could we not let it happen?
2: Well, I don't want to scare anybody, but, uh, you know, we're past the point of uh, reforms. We're, you know, we've done, we've been there, we've tried it. We've had lots of people, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, who have tried one or another, fix it over here, do this over there, pass this law, regulate it, it's not working. At a certain point, you know, you have that sad moment with the refrigerator repair person who comes into your apartment they've been there already six times this year and they say look you and i get to know each other but i gotta tell you i can fix this again and you will and i'll charge you 200 bucks but you'll be on the phone within six weeks and you'll be calling me up and i'll come back here and i'll fix it again and it'll be another 200 bucks my advice to you, I know this is difficult, fork out three or $4,000, get yourself a proper new refrigerator. The old one was here for 20 years. It did great service. You know, you've had ice cubes forever. Now is a time. Uh, I have to be in this situation because otherwise, you know, I'd be dishonest. And for that dishonesty that we can fix it, you don't need me you have the evening television, you have the newspapers, they will go and run you through 27 ideas, almost every one of which has been tried and failed within the last 10 years. Uh, They're hoping you don't know, most people don't, so they can run the game again, but it's a hustle. And the truth of it is, you've got to change this system. We're done here. I know this is difficult for Americans to understand, look, uh, Myself, Katie, you know me a little bit now. I was born in the middle of Ohio. I've lived and worked all my life in the United States. I'm happy and proud to be an American citizen. I don't want to leave, etc., etc., etc. But I'm not stupid and I'm not blinded. And this system is busted. It's done. We've had it. The only question now is, are we willing to be adult enough to face this unpleasant reality, and to figure out what's the best graceful way to deal with this as a community. You know, uh, New England was once the center of our economy. It isn't anymore. The Midwest was once the booming center of American capitalism. It isn't any. We already as a people in many parts of our society have had to go through declines losses, just like adults do in their personal life. To flail out, to keep denying all of this is just going to make it harder when the, as the French call it, the denouement, when it finally comes. And that denouement is crowding in on us every time. The level of fakery, I really have to say it. I've been a professor all my life. The level of fakery in dealing with our problems blows me away I've seen you know I'm an adult like you are we we know some people tell the truth easier some have a harder time but the level of fakery now of make-believe you know as for example the supply chain disrupt when adult people who are perfectly smart start reverting to this kind of fairy tale then you know something is something is really wrong you know, if we are risking nuclear war because of the border between the Ukraine and Russia, something is wrong. There's, some, there, there's a disproportion here that can't be covered over with grandiose language. Nobody's fooled anymore. The internet, For example, I, I hope I don't make difficulty for you, but the so-called international community that stands behind the United States and Ukraine. That's not true. And I don't understand really as an American, I don't need fakery like that. I want everyone to understand that the majority of the nations in the United Nations voted not to support the United States and Western Europe in the Ukraine. That the BRICs, the the five countries, Britain, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, they together have half the population of this earth they together have 10 times the population of the United States. They're all trading with Russia. They are all supporting Russia. They don't agree with the details of Ukraine, but Russia's not asking them to do that. But they continue to trade with Russia, to interact with Russia, uh, to vote with them. In the, uh, so where is this international community that's all behind? It, this, is, this is pathology. This is becoming really scary for me not the particulars of what's happening in the Ukraine, which obviously for the Ukrainian people is awful. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But the things being said about our economy, the most important issue here isn't when the recession is coming. The important issue is, are we really going to whack our people with a recession after an inflation, after COVID and after a crash? Let, let, me, let me scare you. The German people, my mother was born in Berlin. My, my parents were immigrants. So my first language was German. I, I was born in the United States, but my home language at home was German and French. So I, I spoke those languages and I still do. All right, Germany is a wonderful case. Germany in the 19th century was the great growth story, second only to the United States. Because the 19th century, and much of the 20th, was the end, the decline of the British Empire, and its replacement by the German, the American, and towards the latter part, the Japanese, who were crowding in. They wanted a piece of the action. Okay, the British collapsed. A war erupted between the three contenders, U.S., Germany, Japan. Germany and Japan were defeated. The United States won with allies and all of that. And so what happened? Well, let's look. The Germans made a fatal error. They turned their society over to Nazis. Why did they do that? In many ways in the 19th century, Germany was the most advanced country. Many Americans in the 19th century who wanted uh, training and higher education in engineering, they went to German universities because they were considered the best in the world at the time. So Germany had a prosperous, growing middle class across the 19th century, like the United States. It built its own empire, like the United States did with the Philippines and Cuba and Puerto Rico and all of that very successful. Then, in a very short time, something awful happened to Germany. Number one, they went to war, World War I, and they lost. Okay? First crisis, first trauma. Five years at the, after the end of World War One, World War I ended in 1918. Five years later, 1923, Germany had one of the worst inflations in the history of the world. Let me give you an example. In 1918, one dollar got you four German marks. Uh, The mark was the name of the currency in Germany. In 1923, November, one dollar got you, ready now, one million German marks. Prices were doubling every hour in the store. Workers would get their paycheck at noon in a paper bag and run to the store to buy, you know, milk and butter and eggs for the evening meal because if they didn't, if they waited till the evening, there wouldn't be enough money in the bag to buy that amount of eggs and milk and butter. So you, you, know, you, you it's beyond, so you know what this did? It took the German family which was one of the most frugal in the world. To this day, Germans hoard. They, they save money. They do not spend money. They do not uh, hold bank accounts. They do not use credit cards the way we do uh, in the United States. They had saved. Those savings were wiped out. 40 years of family savings couldn't buy you a quarter pound of butter at the end of 1923. World War I, terrible fought in Germany, killed huge numbers of people, then an inflation wiped out the savings. And then five years later, in 1929, the World Great Depression hits Germany. And it was too much. You had had imposed economic crashes on the German people, economic, political, cultural, you you name it. And they cracked. These are sophisticated, educated people, more than almost any other country in the world. And yet they turned, these tall, blue-eyed, blonde Germans decided that their savior was a short, ugly, dark-haired Austrian. I mean, it's beyond words what was done there. And then they followed him for 12 years until everything collapsed, you know. We're, we're in dangerous territory, folks. That's my point. You subject the working class the way we are doing. You are going to split it. You are going to make it get crazy. We don't have a Hitler yet, but we have QAnon. We have the equivalent all over the place. We think desperately poor immigrants from Central America are threatening our economy. We, a population of 325 million people, are deeply threatened by, at best, 10 million undocumented immigrants. This is so silly that the only reasonable question is to ask, how is it possible that large numbers of otherwise good people, smart people, educated people are so desperate to go in that direction? But that's the question everybody asked about the German people when they went for Hitler. And we are, I don't mean to scare you, but if I don't scare you, then I'm not being straight with you.
0: What could we be doing? What holy hell could we be raising? And what is the, I guess you're, you're talking about how the system is not reformable. So what are the potential outcomes that we're facing? And to hear the rest of the interview, please go to usefulidiots.substack.com. That was great. Great
1: talking to Richard Wolf to feel his outrage and a nice rousing call for action. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's address inflation in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, his frustration was palpable. So knowledgeable.
1: Well, for more, you can go to usefulideas.substack.com where you can get bonus content and hear excerpts of this interview that are available only to subscribers and many more fun features.
0: So yeah, make sure you go to usefulideas.substack.com. See you next week. Hello, thank you so much for listening to and watching Useful Idiots for full episodes and extended interviews. Please subscribe at usefulidiots.substack.com. You can subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash usefulidiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at usefulidiotpod and use the hashtag usefulidiotspod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday morning show where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them.